When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Ohio State season is over. A 29-23 loss to Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl of college football playoff semifinal. Douglas Maurice, we are back at the hotel. We have left State Farm Stadium. Nathan Baird, Stephen Means alongside. We're gonna wrap this up. Um, and we're gonna get to the 125 text questions we got. Already lost like 20 tech subscribers since the end of the game. So people are like, I don't want this guy on my phone if the season's over. We will get to your questions. We will try to get to as many as possible. There was a uh, a, a reaction um, that I saw on Twitter right after the game, right after this 29-23 loss for Ohio State that I found very interesting, and I want to get you guys on this first before we get into specifics. Someone said, if this Ohio State team can't beat Clemson, this like – flawless, both sides of the ball, NFL guys everywhere. If this Ohio State team can't beat Clemson, can't get to a national title game, when is Ohio State ever going to get back there? Do you guys have any kind of feeling like that after this loss? No, not really for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't know that Clemson will eternally always beat Clemson. We just had a situation where Alabama, after making the playoff every year for the first five years didn't make the playoff you know Clemson at some point will have a dip I know they're not and and, and Clemson is something that it, it's more like what they represent than what they are I understand what someone's asking here the other thing is Ohio State that plausibly wins this game in so many different ways if a couple calls go their way if they execute some things better on offense early in this game they make one more stop on defense somewhere I mean it's it's right there for them to win this isn't it isn't like they came in and lost 31 to nothing again if you come in and lose 31 to nothing again under these circumstances then obviously you say well it's time to completely reassess what's going on here but this game was just a tooth and nail, uh, and, and, and this is how they go sometimes. Sometimes you come out on the wrong end of it. And that's the difference here. Like in 2016, what the start of Clemson basically taking Ohio State's spot in the landscape of things is because it was 31 to nothing, and like Clemson was just so far ahead of what Ohio State needed to be offensively. This was just a game that like it literally came down to the last play. So, like, this, like, mm-hmm. 
that if some things go the other way, Ohio State's winning and they're going on and they're going to be playing on January 13th. So this is a different situation where like I, I'm not gonna, obviously Ohio State's not they didn't beat them, so we can't sit here and say Ohio State is back. But like they can compete at this level, and they showed that. The other thing to remember here is it's not necessarily the existence of Clemson that became the big problem for Ohio State in this scenario. It's that the emergence of LSU this year, kind of out of nowhere, jumping up and taking that number one spot. If Ohio State, if, if not for that, Ohio State would have been the number one seed, and they would have been the one running roughshod over Oklahoma. Yes, they would have still probably then had to beat Clemson in a in a semif- or in a championship game, and obviously they didn't win that game, but. That also changes the perspective here a little bit. So I agree with that. Um, I do think we saw some things tonight of how much they're going to miss some guys. Yeah. Uh, they're going to miss J.K. Dobbins. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Master Teague was a third-team All-Big Ten as an Ohio State backup. And when J.K. Dobbins was not in the game, you noticed it. it. Master Teague will get better when he gets older. But there was a difference there. They are going to miss Chase Young. They are going to miss Jeff Okuda. They are going to miss Malik Harrison. Uh, there are some guys on this team that they really are going to miss, and we said it coming in, that this was a peak Ohio State team in a lot of ways, and I'll repeat what I've said many times over the years. I've given up on trying to look for peak Ohio State years because they can get to the playoff and win it any year. This is not a team that has dips. When you try to figure them out, well, this recruiting class will be good. at the- They're always going to be good. So I don't, I don't agree with the assessment of, well, if they can't beat them now, when are they ever going to beat them? I do agree with watching this game and saying, like, wow, there was a lot in place for these guys, and I can't believe it didn't happen. Because I think at Ohio State, and I'll also go back to what I learned very early on 15 years ago, there are guys that you think are irreplaceable. I thought A.J. Hawk was irreplaceable, and all of a sudden there's James Laurinaitis. And it's like, oh, they're fine. They, They almost always are. But there is a peak. And every now and then, there are some really special guys. And it's like, oh, yeah. You don't just, even at Ohio State, you don't snap your finger and replace that guy. And I thought, I thought the J.K. Dobbins, we knew it. Just like when Ted Ginn Jr. got hurt in 2006, Ted Ginn Jr.'s special, when he's not there, you notice it. Even for the two series it was with J.K. Dobbins out, I thought you noticed it. Oh, yeah. And I thought when he then maybe it seemed like maybe he wasn't himself in the second half because they didn't run it as much, you noticed it. Because when he was running the way he ran in the first half, Ohio State looked unstoppable. Yeah. And well, also, but though some of that was opened up in front of him, too. Both of those, I mean, 135, 33 of those yards or whatever came on two runs where he had just massive holes to run in front of him. And I don't think those were opening up as consistently in the second half. Now, Brent Venables, I thought the Clemson defensive coordinator did something in the second half. And we're not going to pretend that we know exactly what it was. There was some adjustment. Ryan Day noted it, that they took some things away. But also, I mean, the, the one run, it was a cutback lane that they blocked it that way, and he cut it back really nicely. The other one, he got around the edge. Like, you've got to get out there. I mean, it, they, there are some special guys on this team. I, I think this will always... And we have plenty of time in the offseason to really, really reflect on this. Um, this will be one of the great Ohio State regrets I, for yeah. fans, I think, for the rest of your life. I understand the, the, what, what's the way this is going to linger. I understand the question that this person is asking. 
in that context because you look at 2016 for instance when they were obviously really really good but now when you look back on it in retrospect and you look at 31 and nothing you're like well we see how that happened we see what maybe was still flawed about that team enough to open the door for that you look at the loss to Iowa and the loss to Purdue that kept them out of the playoff the last two years and there were specific things happening in those seasons that resulted in the way those two games went that kept them out of the playoff altogether that wasn't what was supposed to be happening this year though this this looked like a team that in so many ways was so strong on both sides of the ball in, in all facets that that wasn't going to this was supposed to be the year that they pushed through that i think the big problem was all along you could kind of see there was one team i thought hanging out there that was going to be the one that could maybe match that i think that's what happened one thing i want to ask and there might be a question well actually someone did sort of ask a question along this line and i wanted to ask it how many times and this is this is a loaded question because it wasn't the case so how many times this is actually from the 248 it was a bona fide choke job, not in the typical end-of-game style, but throughout the game. After watching the game, Ohio State beats Clemson 8 out of 10 times easily. Targeting, roughing the punter, and the fumble overturn was a direct 21-point swing in no Sean Wade. Clemson didn't have anything like that, either self-inflicted or determined to some extent by the refs. How many times out of 10 does Ohio State win this game? I mean, then I'm going to tweak the question, and we can answer I, it again. I don't think I would say 8, but... Certainly five. Oh, I say more. I say seven. I, I would say either five or six. I think Ohio State's a better team. What do you think, Stephen? Ohio State wins this game nine times out of ten. And I'm looking at the stats, like no, these, but if you play not today, not today's game, but if you played, if these teams played ten times, they come back tomorrow and play. They come back the next day and play. They come back the next day and play. Nine times out of ten. When, let me. Okay, but here's my thing. Watching this game tonight, before when was when when did you guys first have your like? Uh oh. When, when was the first uh oh? So I'll tell you when mine was. I'll tell you when mine was. During the week Targeting. or during no, the No, no, this game. Targeting call. When they kicked the field goal to only go up 16 to nothing. I, I, so I, I'm going to probably be on yeah. an island on this. Here's the thing on that stuff. People are saying, like, you can't do that, you can't do that. They were dominating Clemson yeah. at that point. Clemson wasn't getting in the red zone. I think most of the time when you talk about red zone failures, it's in comparison to red zone successes on the other side. And of course, of course you have to score touchdowns. But that Clemson defense, I tweeted it during the game, and I think this was right. They athletically couldn't keep up. They were not as good athletically as Ohio State in the to. 20s. No. And then when you got in a compressed area in the red zone, they're smart. They're experienced. Yeah. They play the right thing. So it's not. They won the game that way. That's how no, they won they, the game. But, no, but, that's not but, how they won but, the game. No, that is absolutely how they won the no, game. No, it's not. They. They kept. By, by keeping them out of the end zone on any of those three possessions, that's how they won the game. They gave their offense a chance to come in it's, and do what their offense always does and what it eventually did tonight, which is break not off feel big touchdowns. Like, but Clemson was dead. Clemson did. They were dead. By keeping it 16 to nothing, that's what opened the door. That's why that targeting penalty had the impact no, it did. No, the targeting penalty had the impact it did because they did what great teams do. When you get a second out, to get a second life, you take advantage of it. That's exactly it what I'm saying. For, no, it's the, the, the 16 to nothing isn't the second life. The second life is it being fourth down. It's, it goes from being fourth down and you're punting to all of a sudden you have a fresh, not only a fresh set of downs, but then you get a pass interference call on top of that. For a second chance is you go from an ink up pass that's you fumbled and you just gave up points to now you get the ball back and it's not, and now you're driving again. That's what I mean by they got second chances at life. Not I, because it was 16 to nothing. I and mean, it, of course, of course, 
you need to score touchdowns to yeah. win games like this. I mean, like I'm I, just saying, I, that I if don't it, dispute that. If but, it's twenty to nothing, I don't think well, those red. Uh, so J.K. dropped the screen. Right. I thought that was the only red zone failure. J.K. dropped the screen. They set up the screen. They had it blocked up. Well, they had three blockers for two defenders. I think he would have scored if he catches that. Right. I think you need to make a, 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 a designation between a failure or just getting beaten. No, but, but here's the thing that I don't like about it that, that I vehemently disagree with is the idea of like, all right, Clemson got a win. They only gave up three. Clemson was doing squat offensively. Clemson. That's so why those Ohio are huge. But it's huge. But Ohio State's putting up zero, 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 zero. Three's still better than zero, and and the game completely changed yeah. on one call. Otherwise, it would have been like nineteen to nothing. It would have been twenty. But if it's twenty uh, nothing or twenty four to nothing or twenty eight to nothing, it doesn't change to that extent. Those were those were three huge possessions. Huge possessions that led to Ohio State points. Like, right, but, I don't. I don't like the discussion of like that. Every time a defense gets a stop in the red zone, it's somehow a great job by the defense, which gave up a seventy-yard drive to begin with, and just gave up points. Meanwhile, the Ohio State defense has Clemson doing zero. Clemson did a good job. Ohio State still put points on the board, and after that targeting call, the whole game changed. I'm not disputing the the. I'm not disputing the um, effect of the, the targeting call, but I am saying that everybody in that Clemson locker room, and obviously it's recency by, and they're and it's uh, they just won the game, so maybe that's how they they just it changes how they think about the game. But every conversation I had in that Clemson locker room, there was a they were talking about how much confidence they still had before the targeting call because it was only 16. Yeah, that's a lie. That's fake. They, the offense sucked. Before the targeting, the call. offense, the was, offense was, did zero. The offense they was could act like they had confidence. They didn't do anything. The offense was Trevor Lawrence the left. O- Trevor Lawrence right. It was right. two eighty-eight to one sixteen in yardage before the targeting call. But if but if if it were reversed and Ohio State were down sixteen nothing at that point, it would be plausible that they would still have some confidence that being down only sixteen to nothing, they can come back and win that game. I, it's like I mean, it's like of course, like having confidence of in actually this, executing. But I don't. I don't think that was. If you ask what is the bigger thing, I, I think the targeting, and, and it's not even about whether it was the right call or not. It's that it happened. The fact that it happened, that you turn a third down that is now going to be a punt, you lose a player. It's first down now. Like that, that combination of things I think is so much bigger. We can't go all night on this, but I'm, I'm saying I understand. I agree with all of that. But it's exasperated by the fact that it was only sixteen to nothing at the time. It was only a two score game at the time, and not three, four. And Ohio score State game. still led right. into the late into the third quarter because everybody thought, well, now Clemson's going to get the ball to start the third quarter. They're going to drive and take the lead, and they didn't. Right. I don't know. I, I I have never seen a game change on a play like, of course, other than like the game at the end, you know, a play at the end that decides something. Yeah, but like the way I mean, you felt the shift. In the moment, they were dead. If they, they were they, dead, they punt. If Ohio State goes down and scores, and it's even if they get a field goal, and now it's nineteen to nothing. I, I just, mean, I just think it, I think <laughs> I, I just just I disagree with the general analysis, and, and it's kind of a thing in football of like the offense drives, they move the ball at will down the field, but they don't get a touchdown. They only get a field goal, and like that's a win for the defense. It's a win when if it's, the defense is getting points as well. When it's compared to an other offense that is being effective, I get it. When it's compared to an offense for Clemson that is doing zero, 
The threes are much better than the zeros. This was the best Ohio State team in recent memory, and it still wasn't enough as the gap between Clemson and Bama compared to Ohio State significant. This Clemson team was still a year away. Ohio State was at its all-time peak from the 706. How would you describe the gap? We knew that, I think we all agreed there was a gap. How would you describe the gap now? And it's not just about the gap tonight, it's about the gap. I think the more interesting thing, it's not the gap with the teams, it's the gap with the programs. Right, and I, I guess I go back to what I said before, too. It's like, I, not being a fan, you don't necessarily have the emotion that, that is, gets mixed in with this sometimes. I mean, I still see two teams that were essentially, at worst, evenly matched tonight. I, I don't see a, I mean, yes, you have to give Clemson credit for winning the game. I'm not taking that away from them. I think Clemson deserved to win the game, but it's still essentially an even game. I think the gap, I don't even know if it's like, like a wide gap, but it's... At the end of the game, you saw one team whose quarterback was in his second year and the other team's quarterback who was in his first year. And down the stretch, some of the decision-making and some of the things that Trevor Lawrence did showed a guy who was in his second year and knew a little bit more. And obviously, he wasn't where Deshaun was in 2016, but he was at a he knew He knew some things. I don't know if oh, I agree with this. Really? Yeah. His whole entire – I mean, that's his, like those are the same receivers he just won a national championship with. Justin Fields has been here for 14 games now. And if Chris – Olave finishes his route. Justin Fields probably hits him for a game when he If they down. do, right. But if Justin they, Fields did what he was supposed to do. If they run the right, right. But that's also just like chemist building chemistry no, over two years. He, he said it. He thought that it was scrambled Joe at that I point. I know. That's, not, that's zero on Justin Fields. I'm, that interception is zero on Justin Fields. So his receiver broke off a route that he didn't expect him to break off. If he runs the route, Justin Fields probably hits him for a touchdown. So the gap is one guy's been with his receivers for two years, so there's a chemistry there, and the other guy hasn't been with his receivers for I two don't years. Th- so I'm not blaming Justin Fields for that at I, all. But it's not just about, so you think the only gap is the experience level, because everybody has different experience levels at different positions from year to year. Yeah. Ohio State needs a dynamic quarterback. They need Justin Fields. They need somebody like that at quarterback. As long as they have a guy like that, I think they can compete at this level now. I, I don't think there was a gap. I, there weren't other places. And even when you think ahead to next year, I don't think there were gaps on the offensive and defensive line that are going to change a lot. I don't think there were gaps at receiver or corner that are going to change a lot. Like I, This looked like an Ohio State team. Like, yeah, if they keep doing this kind of thing. And I agree, this was a, a higher peak for this Ohio State team than this Clemson team. I think the only issue for Ohio State is keeping the level of quarterback play here. And that, I think, is a question going forward. Like, when you stack Trevor Lawrence on Deshaun Watson, you yeah. answer that question. They stack Justin Fields on Dwayne Haskins, but again, he fell from the gods. Now You've got to like, have another guy behind it. Yeah. And as soon as you don't have a guy like that, you will see it. The rest of it, I don't know that there's anything else that you would point to. And again, are Seven Banks and Cam Brown and Tyreek Johnson going to be as good as Jeff Okuda? Probably not, but they'll probably be pretty good, and they better keep doing that. I think if Ohio State keeps doing what they're doing, as much as we said, boy, oh boy, they're going to miss J.K. Dobbins. they got to get it back. Are you, what, what is your takeaway on the run game? For 2020, based on what we saw tonight and assuming that J.K. Dobbins is not back. Well, I think the one thing to also remember in relation to the run game, even when J.K. Dobbins, I mean, he did a lot on his own tonight. But there were times this year where Ohio State was able to do some things because of the dual threat running with Justin Fields. That, I don't think, has been a real concern here at the Zappel Games. We even saw, though, some uh, there was a play early in the game where it looked like 
um, it was the second long J.K. Dobbins run where the two linebackers kind of got frozen by yep. what they thought might be Justin Fields. Um, but it, it just wasn't consistently the same threat, and I think that changes things a little bit. But certainly, I mean, you know, uh, Master Teague or um, whoever else they decide to give the ball to next year, um, they've got a lot to prove between now and next fall. I think Justin Fields averages 35-plus passes a game. And then he's – and then uh, you make up whatever, like, you lose with J.K. Dobbins. Obviously, Master Teague is probably going to get carries, but I think you make that up with a fully healthy Justin Fields and you use his – his running ability to the full extent. From the 919, was Fields' knee preventing him from running more? Clemson's quarterback, his running, Trevor Lawrence's running, won the game for them. The idea that Trevor Lawrence turned into a zone read quarterback and like ran 70 yards for a touchdown on a draw, like was. And like broke Josh Proctor off to do it. <clears throat> How much do you think? We were watching some clips from the Penn State game before Justin Fields got hurt in the van on the ride home. And it was like a reminder of like, oh man, I thought I thought there were some things in the way that Justin Fields would stride when he threw, when he would really get some torque, when he would really get down and rip a ball with his front leg. He would dip a little bit and really get his body behind it and coil. And it felt like maybe with his knee brace, he's not doing that as much. I thought he forced some things tonight into some coverages that maybe um, there were times this year when he would be off early. And they sort of warm up, and it felt like sometimes when he's off early, then he leans on the run a little bit more. I think he didn't run as much tonight and force some throws that he got away with some things early on. I did think the knee was enough of a factor potentially to be, if he was 100% healthy, they would have won. And, and some, of the, some of the things that we look at as decisions, I think – the the one you know we talked about kind of grading him on a curve as we do in our our videos each week uh, our post game videos grading him and I, I think one curve to include tonight is just I don't think he's seen anything like a, a Brent Venables defense prior I mean he's seen it on film obviously but I don't think they'd seen anything quite that sophisticated in terms of the way that they can mix up coverages and and change things around and I think sometimes when he was throwing things against any other team on this schedule this year. I don't I don't think those look like as dicey throws as they were because there were some things probably hiding in some of those coverages that he didn't see immediately. I think every quarterback has like the way um, their their form and how they throw the ball. I think he relies he his throwing motion relies so much on his lower body, especially that knee because he plants on it in order to throw and he kind of uses his whole body in a way that I, I said this in the car like that Trevor Lawrence doesn't use just cuz he can throw off his back foot a little bit more. That it's it's gonna as long as that knee's not a hundred percent, it's always gonna have an effect on his throwing. He he talked you know Ryan Day had talked about how quarterbacks generate their power from the ground up with their yeah. legs. Um, Justin Fields has talked about that. He the every, multiple coaches and and himself have talked about the his his baseball background and that how that gave him a foundation that he now uses as a quarterback. And I do think that the injury affected that. Um, and whether it's whether it's a, a it made a physical difference, whether it made a a subconscious difference, I don't know. But it it clearly he was not the same quarterback after that play at the end of the Penn State game. And we were sort of talk. I mean, it's remarkable to think about again. That's a, it was a fourth down against Penn State. They were up two scores with like two and a half minutes left, and Ryan Day calls a play, a pass play on fourth down because like he didn't want to kick a field goal and risk it, risk it getting blocked, and he wishes Justin, if it wasn't there, would have just thrown it away or whatever. Um, 
I said I, I hate the discussions of when should a quarterback come out where there's so many things to talk about beyond when a guy should come out of a game with a big lead. Um, I think Ryan Day will look back on that forever. Yeah, probably. I, I, like, and, I, and I almost feel like I'm not sure that he's been pushed enough on that. Like, Ryan, like, how much? Because it was like, well, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. And, like, again, I, I think they could have won. They could have won with him this way. Um, it just felt like it was enough of a difference that in a tight game it might be the difference of one scramble or one better throw. And that might be enough in a game like this. And, and because of that, Penn State, when you go back and watch Justin Field run in the Penn State game and then think about how he ran tonight, it's like a different dude. It really is. And it's not, it's not a criticism of Justin Field. It's just he's so smooth and natural. And when the giant breaks on him, you can't be that. Um, frustrated with the lack of aggressiveness on early red zone play calls. This is from the 202. Let's address that quickly. Did you have a problem with any of the red zone play calls? And I can't remember everything specifically. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if I can answer that question. Th- there was one early, I think it was the first one, the first drive, where they clearly they tried to hit something where you drag a tight end across from one side of the field to the other. They sent, they had Ruckert and oh, Clemson Farrell, didn't and, like, and they motioned them both separately Clemson, from left yeah. to right, and then they tried to drag one back the other way, and Clemson was ready for it. You know, that works against Indiana. Um, that's a great little look to try to get a tight end by himself because you overload one side and get the defense going right. one direction. The screen to Dobbins was a great call, and it was there, and he dropped it. Um, I, I didn't think it was, and again, having dealt with Brown's red zone issues this year, I didn't, I didn't look at the play calls themselves and think, like, that was awful. Right. Um, but again, it gets hard down there, and it really tightened up. I really did think there was quite a little bit of an athletic edge, the way J.K. broke that safety's legs, ankles on the one run. Um, but down there it gets compacted, and I just think I just think a couple things didn't work. That drop, yeah. I mean, it's hard to like criticize J.K. Dobbins. Man, that ball's on his hands. That screen is yeah. on his hands, and what, he's in. That was, what, what that, I, that was a good throw. What I was saying before, I was trying to allude more towards what I thought was a a success for Clemson than failures for Ohio State. But that's the one that's the exam, the exception of the rule. And he was playing so well at that time, yep. and and it just um, a guy who played with like so much savvy and so much um, maturity, really, in a lot of ways this year. And he just it's the. It's the kind of thing that you might expect to still see from like a Garrett Wilson or Jamison Williams at this stage of their career, just turning up field and taking their their eyes off of the play a split second earlier than they should, and that's how a season ends. One of the things I asked the texters um, was to say whether you were mad. Are you like mad at Ohio State? Because I'm writing a story about how Ohio State's mad at the refs, basically. But I was curious if fans were like mad at their team, like you blew it, you blew it. Um, and the overwhelming sentiment is that people are not mad at their team. They're disappointed. They're upset. They are not mad at their team. Um, Doug, i got to be honest. The BS targeting and fumble being overturned is why people say Ohio against the world. Clemson was handed that game. Football isn't fun anymore with this ref stuff from the 5-1-3. Had plenty of chances to make plays, but that was an absolutely bogus targeting call. From the 202 that, that, that had asked the, about the aggression, it was a long question. The second part of the question was um, this, there was uh, – 
Does the bowl and the playoff committee and the stadium get away? How do they get away with such poor field conditions for a major game? And some people asked about that. We were on the field. I was trying to like slide around and see how like there were chunks torn up. Yeah, you I could thought, see it. I thought we had heard from people that this grass that they truck in mm-hmm. to put in the stadium does have but I mean it's not naturally occurring it's not an open air stadium where grass is just there and growing I thought that is this not the stadium where they like slide it out and it grows and then they slide it back in I don't know it's the desert maybe it is I don't know anyway there's something robotic about it yes yes yes, it's not like playing in your yard correct correct uh but I think there is a reputation for this grass. People had talked about there's a reputation for this grass being a little bit slick. So it's one of those things that's like, how dare they do this? Well, they play eight NFL games a year on it. Kyler Murray. And those they, guys are yeah. millionaires. They play eight so, NFL games on it. And by the way, again, J.K. Dobbins, 68-whatever-yard touchdown run, 60-some-yard yeah. run. Trevor Lawrence, long runs. It's, uh, Travis Etienne, a couple long runs. I mean, not everybody found bad footing on but this field. dudes definitely slipped. J.J. Sure. Hill sure. slipped on an early red zone play. Uh, that Justin Fields ended up trying to scramble left because I think KJ Hill was the first read in the middle of the field. He went down and then like the Clemson guy like fell on top of him and Justin was pointing. I think Justin maybe initially thought it was pass interference and KJ just went to stop and his feet went out from yeah. under him. Like mm-hmm. you hate all that crap. Right. And there was a play Travis Etienne tried to make a cut, I think on a return, and got popped by Justin Hilliard. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he was already slipping he was, as he yeah. got hit. Yeah. And so like it's I disappointing. Say, I, I thought it just Again, watching it without emotion. I When I replayed it, I was thinking of more instances where it might have cost Clemson than it cost Ohio State. But that's just my my rewatch where I wasn't doing a scientific tally of, of the moments of that. I just You hate anything in a game like this where sure, anything yeah. that prevents people from being at their best. Whether yeah. it's an injury, an ejection, slipping, that's not your fault. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Not mad. People are not mad. Disappointed in the red zone failures they knew that would kind of come back um disappointed in the targeting call a really good game from the 919 tough and hard fought by both a few dumb plays really cost them and there's no margin for error against a great team bucks totally had it too if olave continues this route they had an amazing season absolutely deserved to be there targeting obviously changed the entire game what did you guys think this isn't a question what did you think of ryan day calling for the punt block in that situation and they end up with Roughing the punter. Some people are having a disagreement with that, that they thought maybe you call running into the punter. I think one of the refs on Twitter maybe thought that. I think it was fourth and six. So if it was the five-yard version of a penalty, it's not a first down. They called the 15-yard version. I don't know that I had a huge problem with it. It seemed like Cam Brown hit him pretty hard. And Olave and Cam Brown were both in there. I asked Ryan Day about, you know, going for it there and going for the block. And he said, you know, we've done that at times. We're trying to be aggressive. We usually haven't had trouble with avoiding running into the guy, right. that time we did. What did you think? I think a, a championship team finds a way not to get called for that penalty there. You go for the punt block. I mean, this is we're talking about the upper echelon of college football. You've got to be able to call for a punt block and not get called for roughing the punter. I mean, that's just sorry. You just that's that's a mistake on Ohio State's part. I don't blame Ryan Day. I think you you are you are supposed to be aggressive. He's been aggressive all year in a lot of different instances, and uh, I thought that was a good time to be aggressive. A punt block there obviously changes the complexion of that game, and they're probably still playing next week. Um, I, I, I I put that on the players for for not cleanly executing it. It's hard. You can't only like aggression when it works. Right. You know, like 
the the fake punt in the Wisconsin game in the Big Ten championship, like everybody right. loved it because it worked. The point of aggression is like it's high risk and high reward. Yeah, I mean if if they drop if that ball hits Luke Farrell in the hands and he drops it, then it's like Ryan Day, you're an idiot. Wisconsin yeah. has the ball at the thirty yard line, um, but it worked. If they block that, if they run into the dude, no, if but they, they block, block it, it's it probably first, a touchdown. Right. So I mean, the, the thing there that to me a little bit. I mean, if you are a one thousand percent confident in your offense, there you're going to get the ball in good field position, and they they would have it. Wilson Fair caught it. I don't know the forty five yard line or something. Right. If but you, you don't are, know how bad JK's banged up. If you up, are a hundred percent healthy, Jake, that's yeah. where you yeah. see. I think right. some of that impact. Sometimes you don't feel like well, we don't need to take a risk. Because doing what we do is good enough. It felt like in that moment, he didn't believe that doing what we do is good enough when you're not sure about your running back's ankle and you're not sure about your quarterback's knee. Right. By the way, you can also look back in recent, very, very recent Ohio State history to times when in big games late in the season, they went for it in those punt block situations. And you know what they did a lot of those times? They blocked the punt. Yeah. The I mean, exact same human being is the guy who blocked it too. And if you like, never come after a punt, you will never block one. Yeah. You don't block one by accident. You have to put the block on. Yeah. You have to go for the block. A lot of times you see they don't even there's not even a guy in there because the guys on the end are, are backing up to start blocking for the returner. So um, it's one of those things. I, I mean, I, obviously you can quibble with when you choose to be aggressive. and so. But I do think some of those outside circumstances affecting Ryan Day's decision to be aggressive there. From the 9-8-0, still proud of this team but very upset. 980, there are a million reasons that this game should have been out of reach for Clemson. From the 210, I'm scared to death of a future where we don't have an elite running back. Missing Dobbins was crippling. I mean, that's the hard thing of uh, you get to this level and you kind of got to have it all. So it's yeah. like, we well, got to have a great quarterback and a great running back and great receivers and a great pass rusher. And great corners. And a great coach on both sides of the ball. You know, you know who's got some really good football players? Oklahoma. Oklahoma has some really good college football players, and they got obliterated the other day because they are just not at that. I mean, there is such still a gulf between what you have to be at to compete in this this kind of rare air. Because you know, you want to know who their best running back is? It's Jalen Hurts, who's their quarterback. Well, but I mean, in, in this in that instance, in, in the Literally. case of Oklahoma, there's deficiencies well beyond just their running game uh, compared to. Teams at LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State's level, but I'm just saying that it's. I'm just kind of backing up your point that you do. It is, you know, my first time covering a team like this and and seeing games consistently at this level. It is kind of uh, startling how you really cannot have any weaknesses anywhere. I will say uh, again, I've said this before. I get very frustrated, as does the rest of the world, uh, with Twitter sometimes. Um, there's such a difference. The reason I asked the texters whether people were mad is because you get stuff on Twitter that's like, well, I'm giving up on this. And it's yeah. like, are you serious? So I asked, and all these texters, no way I'm mad at the Buckeyes. Um, nope, not at all. What a fabulous season. Fields obviously hurt Jake Hinnett 100%. I mean, like, I, I, I'm not disappointed they showed some real character in coming from behind to take the lead. Like, this restores my faith and fandom a little bit of, like, Boy, you're disappointed, and boy, you're angry. But like, I don't know. Um, they had some stuff go against them tonight, you yeah. know. And like, I do think maybe more than any other game because you get squeezed, right? You get squeezed by a bunch of different factors. 
I think maybe Ryan Day did make more, quote, like mistakes with his decision making than he did in any other game. But of course he did because Brent Venables is sticking it to you because you're scared of Trevor Lawrence and because you have a couple injuries, you know, that whether it's, you know, trying to the, the punt block, not going forward at fourth down, on fourth down at the end. You know, did he get too conservative at some point? It did feel like the what the one weird part is, I think we are assuming that there was something more wrong with JK because it felt like they got away from the run a little bit in the oh, second yeah, half. Yeah. There was definitely a series, I think it was after JK came back in. It might not have been his first series back in the second half, but his second series back, where I was like, well, they're definitely going to run it now. And they came out like they threw it on the first play. And I was like, wow, I cannot believe they did that. And again, there's a lot of stuff that's funny. Wasn't it, I'd like to go back and look, even at the, sorry to interrupt no, you, I think on the, the series, even after they took the lead again late in the game, they I thought they were throwing it. the ball too much. Yeah. And, 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 like, and again, like, what is that? Because it feels like, well, there must be something wrong because why wouldn't they have belief in their run game to like put this thing away? And like we said, going into the game, they'll run it until Clemson stops it. Now, Clemson did stop it some early. Mm-hmm. So maybe there was an adjustment that Venables had made that they thought we can't pick this up blocking and there's no there's no hole. Um, but I think I thought well J.K. must not be himself because if he was himself I would give him the ball here. Um, you know what I want to make sure we don't lose any of this uh, stuff through a Doug technical glitch. We're gonna take a quick break and be right back <laughs> on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. We we didn't lose it, so that's good. Um, from the 419, does this loss cause any of the juniors to stay for one more shot at a national championship? It's funny. It's like one of the things in Ohio State lore. You guys maybe don't even know this, but uh, uh, the juniors in 2007, after they lost the second straight national title game, they lost to Florida in 2006. They lose to LSU in 2007. There's like this story about like they're in the shower, disappointed after the second straight national title loss, and they're in the locker room, and they're getting ready, and they're leaving, and like they all decide we're all going to come back. And like James Laurinaitis comes back, and Malcolm Jenkins comes back, and Alex Boone comes back, and Marcus Freeman comes back, and Brian Robisky comes back. And they all come back because it's like, we're not going out like this. And that was a simpler time, my friends. I mean, it's like, it's crazy for me to think about. But, and again, we've addressed this like, oh, you know, guys say stuff, whatever. But what did Wyatt Davis say after the game? Well, okay, so the report came out earlier this week that, that Wyatt Davis said that he was staying. And, but that he had put in for feedback from the NFL, uh, the draft committee, whatever. And so he was asked about it tonight and was talking about why he was coming back. But I wanted to make sure, because I didn't think anybody had asked him, like, okay, so if you get feedback from the NFL that says you're a first-round draft pick, you're still 100% coming back. And he said yes. So that's, I, that's, that's what he's – and now, you and I – we've talked on this podcast before. You said it earlier this week. What guys say in the moment right now when they're being put on the spot can sometimes change, and it's not on them, I don't think. It's it's natural that you're look, you, you look at things at a different perspective after the season, and you especially look at things from a different perspective once information starts coming to you that has not been coming to you yet. So I would caution people. I don't have any reason to not believe why Dave. He seems very sincere that he wants to come back here and play another year of football, and I would be maybe a little bit surprised if as a sophomore – interior lineman he was given a first round draft grade although I think he was great this year but if he does I would not be surprised at all if he left and I would not hold that against him the no-brainers are still the no-brainers are not coming back I mean it's a romantic notion but you know if you're gonna be a top 10 pick and you're gonna get a gazillion dollars um 
I, I just don't think it, it works that way anymore. So if Chase Young is back on this roster for some reason, yeah. I'm guaranteeing you the first question we need to ask is why are you here? Yeah. No, I mean it's it's and it's fine. I mean it's just it's almost it's, just, it's almost not a decision. No, I, it isn't a decision because the sooner you sign your first contract, the sooner you get to sign yeah. your second one. Go get paid. You man. you it's Go just ahead. it's it. It's it's an obscene amount of money. You've done um, this for I'm not saying enough. they don't deserve it, but it's an obscene amount of money. And I would, if I were them, start earning it as soon as I could because you don't know when it can end. Right. Six one four. I'm not mad. I'm proud of this team. I'm mad at the horde officiating. I've been watching football for 25 of my 35 years of life, and that was some of the most egregious calls I've ever seen in the game. Six one four. I was at the game, and overwhelming sentiment is the officiating was very poor. Uh, but overall, angry and frustrated over the loss—a very bitter defeat. Um, I don't this, like this. For I just—I'm not okay. It's okay. People can react how they want. No, to. no, I'm not. No, I'm not mad at that. I, I don't like. Like, I'm never going to be a fan of like any type of game in any sport where it feels like it wasn't decided within like the players. Like, and it's like, mm-hmm. and that's what it, this. Like, and obviously, like you, they, we have, we've had our discussions about. Why, who, how, they, what cost Ohio State this game, yada, yada, yada. And yes, they made their own mistakes. But regard, the fact that it's even a conversation of like... Did, oh, you hate it. D- yeah, like whistles... Sh- it, 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 it happened in the NCAA tournament. Like where, when we play and whistles are, have, it, are even a topic of whether or not they decided the game or not, it just doesn't feel like... And I, and I usually like, I, I try to shut that down from fans immediately all the time because most of the time, I mean... Officials are officials. They're doing their once, best. It and goes once, both ways. And it's once. The thing, and I'm writing this, um, really I think the thing that came through from Ryan Day and then from Gene Smith also after the fact, it was that there were three reviews. And they all went against Ohio and State. And there's something to the nature of officiating that in the moment, the bang-bang nature of stuff, you're doing your best you can and yeah. there's bodies flying around. But there, there were three calls that were decided one way on the field, and then they reviewed them, and they were all flipped against Ohio State. Yeah. Now, one of them very clearly was the correct change. Yeah. J.K. Dobbins did not catch that ball in the end zone. That correct. hit the ground. Correct. So that was changed and went against Ohio State, but that was the correct call. But the targeting that wasn't called on the field and then was called targeting, there's one thing to say, well, was it targeting or not? Should the rule be changed? He's 6'6", he's 6'1". Well, he did lead with the crown of his helmet, all this. It wasn't originally called, and then sort of like after Trevor Lawrence was down for a while, now they're reviewing it. And then again, the fumble that well, is reviewed, and it, and it doesn't seem indisputable, and it's changed to an incompletion that's what Ryan Day was. Ryan Day was on. If it's supposed to be indisputable on a review to change it, these things that were changed didn't seem indisputable and, to Ohio State, and they were all changed. And all three of them like were drastic in how this game oh, shaped out. Absolutely, that's why it's an, it's a problem. Yeah, I, I, I will say that I had the same thought that you kind of just did about did the amount of time Trevor Lawrence spent on the ground affect. How that all developed, and I don't know the answer. I do know that the um, there was a pool reporter who went and talked to. I'm writing some things. By the time most people read this, those should be up or hear this should be up at Cleveland.com/slash/OSU um, about both of those calls. And the the pool reporter did get to talk to the referee, and he said that the the yeah. the targeting was not the field officials wanting to go look at it. It came from the replay. It came right. from the review booth. Like they were the ones who wanted to look at it. Now I don't know what how quickly that communication happened. It may have been almost instantaneous because of the circumstances of the play. I don't know. 
Um, I do think I, Trevor Lawrence being down was like, maybe we should look at this. Maybe. If he had jumped right back up, yeah. maybe they don't look at it again. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But we'll never know. 9-3-1. Did Ohio State's window to win a championship in the next couple of years close tonight? I know the general consensus is that we can be back next year, but with the defense losing so much talent, losing J.K. on offense, will Fields and the receivers improve enough to make another run? Again, I mean, I think we just... You, there, the window Sorry, does not close on yeah. Ohio State anymore. It does not now. And I think there's a difference between a playoff window and, a, and like a championship window. But yeah. like the win, the win, there is no window. Doesn't next year seem? It's just you're just outside. Next year seems like next year seems like it would be a stretch to think of a season like this where they just plow through everybody and look. And from the beginning, two weeks into the season, you're thinking, oh, this is probably a but for them to be, but I think I just think of it more of a season where they lose somewhere along the way and they have to hope they get voted in. Or yeah. but if, or if, even if they are twelve and zero, it's like okay, that's plausible, but it's not going to be like you said. They're not going to be winning thirty by thirty six. Well, you just got to get in. You just yeah. got to get in right. and then take your shot and see how good you are by the end of the year. I mean, oh, no, you're not on the bubble though. If Chris Olave is really good. Yeah. Garrett Wilson jumped higher than I've ever seen a receiver jump to catch ever. a ball tonight. Ever. I, I, like, and you guys have I mean, the, the still photos are out there. And also, get a hand in bounds so it actually yeah. counts. I mean, like, really good. You can see what potential is there. Again, it's hard to count out true freshmen. Julian Fleming might be special. Um, if all these offensive linemen are back, the line's going to be good then. Um you know, you can't replace Chase, but Chase did not, like, take over the game tonight. And they were right there with Clemson, and Chase Young did not destroy Clemson single-handedly, and they were there. So, as much as, you know, it's like, I don't think they have the next Chase Young lined up. They went Bosa, Bosa, Young, and they seem to get a little better each time. I don't think they're going to get better this time. But Zach Harrison's supposed to be pretty stinking good. Tyreek Smith's supposed get, to be good. Getting better means that Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith wins the Heisman. And we've gone, over, we've gone over that they are going to really miss these guys in the secondary. We've yeah. gone on that multiple times here, and that certainly is going to be an issue. I just don't think windows exist anymore. Certainly, this I do think... I do think was a peak. Someone previously asked us, and I didn't, I didn't get to it, but enough people are asking about the running back situation. Someone asked if they might go into the portal for a running back. And it's one of those things where, again, who do, you know, Jordan Howard appeared out of nowhere for Indiana a couple of years ago out of the portal. I guess he was in it because UAB dropped football, but I don't know if there's a program that dropped football. Well, that's the thing. Like, if, if somebody's in the portal right now, they have to be someone who's immediately eligible. Well, no, that's the thing. That's, but, but like, who, we don't know who's out there. And that's the thing. If either you're going to have a reason to get immediately eligible or you're really not in the portal. You're just a grad right. transfer. Right. So I don't know who the senior running back at East Carolina is who ran for 1,600 yards this year and has a year of eligibility left and wants to go try to win. The Jonah Jackson. Jonah Jackson, I guess, technically in the portal. But he portal implies immediate eligibility at least in my head, immediate eligibility based on a waiver. Like Justin Fields and Tate Martell were like in the portal because they were in a new world that they got immediate eligibility that very few people used to well, get. The portal is everybody that's transferring I know. to me. But I mean, it, but the, so that's the difference. It's got to be somebody. But they got to get a, can they get a grad transfer? Right. The, the, um. And maybe yes. Like, but, but the question is, should they be interested in one? I mean, do the, you think that's where they are? I mean, I, the the highest rated guy running back in the portal right now is Amir Razul from uh, Florida State. He's a four star. I mean, I, like you're not gonna get like the Justin Fields level running back in the transfer portal. I mean, unless you do. I mean, oh, we don't. Yeah. We, we don't. I mean, not everybody's in there yet, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the Heisman winner and the Heisman runner up this year 
Or well, a, a yeah. but, not, but we not, not Ronald Rob, but another finally. We don't yeah, know what's both transfers. So yeah, the, you're the right. main and issue then, is should Ohio State is that are they at a point? Because here's the other thing that happened tonight. It was a very not great time to have an injured running back. So J.K. goes out, Master Teague comes in. People are asking, what about Demario McCall, my guy? When we were in practice this week, Demario was H. Yep. Demario was an H the whole time, and yeah. we Demario has gone back and forth from running back to H back. Week to week, certainly he's been a running back, but I don't think he's been practicing at running back, and I'm not so sure with blitz pickups and just regular pass protection and leaking out to catch passes out of the backfield. They do not use him as a running back anymore. And then Marcus Crowley, who's up next, it's hurt. Right. So your options, once J.K. Dobbins was not on the field, your options were Master Teague and true freshman Steel Chambers, and that was it. So you didn't have an option beyond Master Teague. And it's not a shot at Master Teague, but man, again, I, I I don't know. I think there's a world where maybe there's a guy that you put in there and it's like, whoa, because we've seen Master Teague look really good before. He didn't look I didn't the three carries he had tonight did not make me think lead back. Yeah, and I guess it's fair because I mean JK Dobbins and you know did come in as a true freshman and and play as well as he did you know three years ago so I mean it, it is fair to make that comparison um you know I will say you know Master Teague being a redshirt freshman on this kind of stage and um against the kind of you know defense that Clemson is that's a tall order but I, it almost makes me think though that it, it's two different questions tonight's what happened tonight was not the recruiting failing that will be a problem in 2020 it's recruiting failing that must have happened two years ago that they don't have someone else on this roster that they felt could run better than master teague yeah and and again master teague it wasn't super highly rated he was probably underrated he didn't go to a bunch of camps i get it they like master teague but they i mean it's i want master teague to succeed just because that's an amazing name it is and, and the hard the hard thing the master. I mean, it's like, it's like why we, but it's why recruiting is important because you're not just good because you put on scarlet and gray. J.K. Dobbins was a top 50 national recruit, and he's really stinking good. Ezekiel Elliott was a top 60 national recruit, and he was really stinking good. And it's not always a difference, but sometimes there's a difference between guys who are top. 100 national recruits and guys who aren't. And, and man, Travis Etienne, he's really good. I don't know where he was in recruiting. but he's a three-star recruit. You know, maybe somebody's that. That's great. But I think you'd read a really good back. They've almost always had, like, a really, really good back next year. So, here. And, 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 and there was some debate last year about, like, who was better or whatever. Like, in the end, I think Mike Weber was, like, fine. I don't think he was a great running back. And I think if that's your level of running back, it's, it makes it harder to be great. It makes it harder for a team to be great. They, I think it's something we'll discuss a lot this offseason, but, but I think tonight exemplified why it's worth talking about. This is an interesting one from the 610. I'm not sure where I am on this. Again, as you guys know, not to make excuses, our heads are down. We're watching the game, but especially when a game goes one way and then turns another way, you're trying to think about what you're going to write. You're partially writing we are not locked in, snap to snap, especially stuff happening not where the ball is. Sometimes it's people at home are. So we apologize if our analysis in the moment is not exactly 100% on point. Rewatching the highlights, lots of Josh Proctor out of position or missing tackles on big plays. Should the Buckeyes regret not getting him more snaps to get ready? 
we did seem to see a couple of those instances. Um, I, yeah, I thought we, we were looking at the one specifically after the game. Yeah. Um, the the penultimate play of the go-ahead touchdown drive where they dragged uh, Rodgers across the middle from the slot and Reap had gone off to cover someone else, which I believe looks like the right play, and it left Proctor as the safety over the top who looked like that was he was supposed to pick him up and was maybe just late to do it. Um, again, it was just something swerving into the middle of the zone, so I'm not sure. But that that seemed like one example of that, yeah. And, and I don't know, like, what, could they have done something? I think they needed that extra safety at least. They didn't play it like on first and second down. No. Like we talked over and over again, like they might. They basically just played it on third down, maybe a little more than they did in the past. But actually, they played Josh Proctor, I think, less than I thought he would play. Um, He's really talented. Again, we've seen him make big plays. I don't know. I mean, could they have done any? I think they're gonna play Minnesota in the Big Ten championship game. That's about yeah, I mean, it. Like, I mean, I, but if uh, we talked about that earlier in the week, because they just hadn't been tested by a receiving core like this. It's, it's not even just tested. They hadn't played anybody where like that, like the nickel would have been like the consistent thing they needed to put on the field. I mean, they did it in practice. You know, they practiced that. Yeah. I, I, don't, like, I don't know what you would have done to have to consistently in a game. put it on. Yeah, and to have to consistently put it on the field like that. Minnesota is the only Big Ten team, I think, because of the way they play, yeah. where it would have had to be needed consistently to where he would have been getting those type of reps. From the 4-4-0, mostly upset with the penalties in the third quarter. It felt like the score was Ohio State 16, penalties 21. From the 3-1-2, might be mad about too many field goals. Um, did we talk about the last play that so people on the podcast know that it, what happened with Chris Olave and Justin Fields? Did we say that? Yeah, on we, I, we I mean, we kind of yeah, but not like really went into like the whole point is like he was supposed to run a post route and like he thought he went he thought Justin Fields went in the scramble drill and that's not what happened. So he ended up trying to you know cut he just outside, pulled up the route yeah. he, and then he slipped and then he slipped on top of that. Hard to be mad, but this was the best Ohio State team in twenty years. It was not Clemson's best Ooh. team. If not now, when? Is winning titles just random? Losing the top seed killed us from the 6-1-5. This team is really good. I mean, like, Joey Bosa, Michael Thomas, Ezekiel Elliott was, like, really good, too. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, I'm, I mean, there's, and we'll, we can go back in history and still try to compare some things. There have been, like, really good Ohio State teams. So, it's like, that's the one thing about this is, like, is this the best it's ever going to be? It's like, well, I don't know. You won the national title five years ago, and if you had better coaching, you probably would have repeated in 15. And, like, in 2006, you were undefeated wire to wire and had, like, the Heisman Trophy yeah. winner. And in 2000, you know. You, you went had the back-to-back national championship games. 2005, you had, like, A.J. Hawk and Dante Whitner and Bobby Carpenter and, and all these guys on the defense and Nick Mangold on the offensive line and three first-round receivers and Santonio Holmes, Ted Ginn Jr. Like, Ohio State's good, like, a lot. So, I mean, like, we don't know what they're going to be in 2023, but I bet they'll be really good. So, I I don't think people should be, like, so... I don't think you... You don't want to go too far with the, like, oh, opportunity missed, because... Another opportunity will come. Well, and, and well, and that's that leads into the other thing they ask is is winning a national championship random? And the answer is kind of because the way it works in college football is there's these three teams as we were talking about earlier this week. Right now, two, and then Ohio State is like so close to being right there. But Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and then that fourth team, whoever it is, in a given year. This year, it's LSU. Sometimes it seems like somebody else will jump up in Auburn, um, Georgia, whoever. They jump up and they have their kind of moment for a minute. Those four teams in any given year can probably beat each other in some combination in the playoff. Um, So it is a little bit random. That's why you try to get there every single year and have a team that can be at that level every single year so that 
because there's going to be years like this where you think, oh, maybe we missed an opportunity, and maybe there's another year where you're like, oh, they overachieved, and they were able to win it. Which, again, why the windows are hard. Right. And, and the other thing, I don't know if this is any solace for people, if Ohio State won, they might have gotten burrowed in the national championship game. Like, it's not like they... They didn't blow a national title for sure. Right. LSU I, is I'm, killing people. I, I know I had eight touchdowns. Yeah. I'm someone who has looked kind of askance or a cockeye, whatever, at LSU this season as someone who was voting and all that stuff. And I, I consistently put Ohio State number one for a long time now. And I'd even had at one point kind of slipped Clemson ahead of LSU and was having trouble deciding between those two late in the season. So I... What I've seen from LSU recently has been very impressive, including today. What's the reason for the two-deep safety look in the first half? Seemed like they had Fuller and Proctor on the field way more than any time during the season. Joe from the 815. I thought they didn't do it as much as I thought, but I think we've did, I mean, that you had to. I mean, especially with the way Clemson throws the ball, and, and especially on passing downs, you just need a little bit of extra help down there. And I did think, I mean, in the end, it, it was a, you, you had talked about, like, with eight, with etn the idea of like big running plays and right you had written about that before the game well, he both, but he but he actually does it more as a runner than he usually does it as a receiver and he did i mean so the screen is basically a run but like they hit two really long plays on a defense that doesn't give up long plays mm-hmm. but they weren't passes down the field right yeah and you know it was, a, it was a quarterback draw and a screen which is exactly when i had talked to ohio state players earlier this week and talk to Clemson players. They kind of said it on them themselves. Um, that's how he does it. It's not, even for Etienne, it's not necessarily that there's this big gulf open and he just goes running, kind of like J.K. Dobbins did on his two runs. It's you miss a tackle at the line of scrimmage and then you regret it for the next 60 yards because he's just gone. Trevor Lawrence broke off Josh Proctor in a way. I didn't think Trevor Lawrence could break off any like safety. Yeah, I mean, and that's but but the idea of like here's this passing game with these two six four receivers and oh they're going to go up that didn't really happen. I mean, I, it happened on the last four play ninety four yard drive. Yeah, right. Um, he which Brady kind back. of was important, but but it well, but wasn't that, consistently. But I mean, that you know they had a thirty eight yard. But yeah, they weren't bombing it downfield there no. either. It was no, it, they, it was way. they had two eleven yard. There was a there was eleven yard pickup. Eleven Lawrence yard. ran for eleven <laughs> yeah. yards, so now they're out to the twenty eight. Started that at the six. And then the then they hit the thirty four yarder over the middle to Rodgers, and then it was the Etienne play there at the end. I and mean, then, it was uh, honestly like the last thing. So the Rodgers one hurt, and that's the one where it looked yeah. like they're in a zone. Proctor ends up chasing a little bit on that play. We can't assign like quote blame because right. we don't know I, what exactly. the assignments yeah, were. I hesitate. There. Yeah, but it but Josh Proctor ends up chasing there. He's in he's in a, it, a soft spot, and it looks like like it's. If you it's like if if you're the defense you're going if your quarterback can hit this spot then we're just going to shake your hand and you know and a lot of that zone stuff you're supposed to match you can't just go stand in a spot and say well I'm covering my spot I mean like somebody you got to f- yeah, yeah actually, actually, actually could have missed a tackle at the end of it that he, he did, did that was was there, like there are spots in zone where like you yeah. something you got to leave something and you got to be able to say if you hit this then we'll shake your hand but then he the, hit it. the next throw. I actually think was a good thing for Ohio State because like Clemson scored fast it enough him, and it gave right. them time. Like, if they right, don't... Yeah. If it takes like, another 30 seconds... It was, seconds, a, oh, let them get in the end zone, so we I mean, got a minute and 30. They had a minute 30. It was, it was a uh, minute 40-something. I mean, I like, they, re- they but absolutely had they, It enough. was 149 when they scored, and yeah. Ohio State threw the interception with 37 seconds left. So that's still... And they got I mean, down to that... And yeah, if, so if they, Ohio State was down with no timeouts and still had 37 seconds left in college football where the clock stops every time there's a first down, 
you still that's not a you think there's still a chance they could get down the field. Not mad. They played with Hart. That's from the 306. One area of concern for next year's running back. Teague didn't look great when he had the chance. From the 289, I'm heartbroken because I think this was an all-time Ohio State team. I'm not mad at the players at all. Three things dictated the game. Settling for field goals, Wade's ejection, and the overturned uh, fumble return. I still believe we were the better team over the 14 games and tonight. And tonight, and holy bleep, does that make it hurt more. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued to go back and watch the running game stuff with Master Teague out too. Because I, I tried to ask why Davis, like, you guys opened up these huge holes early and they didn't seem to be there later. Are we missing that? And he kind of said, well, no, they, I mean, they're a good defense and they, they, they did a good job. I, I do think that was a factor there. I think, you know, as you would expect, we've seen, we've seen it happen to Ohio State. It happened against Wisconsin where they, they break off some big plays. And then that whole second half, I thought that defense really kind of, figured some things out, and, and choked that off. And I thought Clemson did a better job of that tonight. From the 805, love this team. I was there tonight. Haven't heard the explanation on the strip and the touchdown by Fuller that was overturned. What did Day say about it? I mean, Brian Day, that's the one he's really, really, really upset about. Uh, and he said the word angry um, three or four times. And again, it's the idea that, like, you know, the, the, the targeting thing, I, I mean, I think depending of a rule book definition of did you hit somebody in the head with the crown of your helmet? I, I think, think it's a targeting thing. He's not, Sean Way's not the first person like where you've had a questionable targeting call. So yeah. that's a, so, okay, that is what I mean, it it's, is. it's more, I think the greater dispute with that is sort of like the rule as it exists, should it be changed? Yeah. Less with by the current rule, was that applied correctly? Yeah. But the fumble. But the fumble. I will boy, say this. I will I, say that. I, so at the, in the moment... I thought it was egregious. I was like, how could this possibly have been overturned? It seems impossible. Now, at the time, though, I was saying, I was talking to other people there on, in the press box, saying, well, when you watch it in full speed, it looks incomplete. And then when you slow it down, it looks like he He's took all this time and made all these moves. And that's where he gets a little bit tough because... Agreed. Because it's they're taking a split second and dragging it out. And then it, it starts to play with your mind a little bit. That like look at all this stuff that happened when really it is a flash that's getting dragged out. Which is why I hate replay. Well, it's, so much. And it's one of those things that so I saw someone on Twitter make this point. Um, the targeting, maybe you weren't a hundred percent sure that it was targeting, but when you slow it down and it's like you see him lower his head and you see the impact. I of actually the think of the it helmet. looks. I think it looks bad on full speed. Actually, okay. when I look at it, because it's like you slow both things. I think. It's like they slowed both things down, and when they slowed both things down, sort of like in different ways, they still ended up both going against Ohio State. When we talked no. to the referee after the game, he the explanation he gave on Wade, and I think it would apply as much, if not more so, at full speed, was it's, it's all about just lowering the crown of the head, you know, leading with your crown. And if that's the first checkmark, if, you're, if you just say, okay, we're about to look at a play, and did this guy lead with the crown of his helmet? Play it, and then you watch that play happen. Even at full speed, you said, "Yep, that happened." Right. And I think that's just it. That's the end of the sentence, and he's that's targeting. The other one, it's 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 there's a lot more nuance. He was asked, you know, didn't you know? It looked the, the pool reporter. I thought did a good job saying, "Hey, it looks to us like he has the ball. He's taking steps. What's you know? Why is that not a catch?" And the referee basically said, "The ball's already moving." And the ball, the ball was moving the whole time. That's why it's an incompletion. Yeah, uh, I, I did think you know, one of my Twitter followers tweeted back uh, when I was talking about the play and said, if that had happened in the end zone, 
don't you think that would be a touchdown? And I kind of thought, yeah, probably. It would have 100% been a touchdown. Yeah, I think so that's a good point. It's it's tough. It just it's up, bang bang things sometimes go against you. I don't know what I can't give people more solace than that. From the six oh two, here's a serious question: Did tonight prove Sean Wade is more important than Chase Young? The game turned when he left. It clearly turned that series because they went after Amir Reap and there was a pass interference on Amir Reap near in the end zone or near the end zone that moved them fifteen yards. Again, we were looking on it. You were specifically looking. Like on that throw to Amari Rogers for the 34, 38 yard game. Like, where was Amir Reap on there? He was out there, but he was on the side of the field away from where it happened. I don't know. I mean, Sean Wade's important. And it's one of those things like, you don't just have to throw at Sean Wade's backup to miss Sean Wade. Like, you just have guys in different positions and things are operating differently and you're not used to playing with each other. So, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to compare it to Chase. I don't. Nobody disputes how important a slot corner is in the modern world in this defense, and how good Sean Wade is at it. And it, I, again, I it's I guess it's possible that maybe Reap was supposed to follow that guy, and that's why Proctor got frozen because right. now he sees. I don't know that Amir Reap was out of place a lot tonight because there was a point where like Jeffrey Okuda was like like animated. At, like, the spots that Amir Reap was in pre-snap. Really? Oh, yeah. Like, there was a couple where he's, like, clear. Like, like, it didn't look like Amir's in the wrong spot. And, like, and like it's to the point where you see him doing all this. So, like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I'm not going to pretend. I, 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 don't I saw some of that happening against Michigan, though, when they had, you know, other guys. Not, not just they, with Amir Reap. Yeah, when it's not the starting well, three. Well, like, when Damon Arnett was playing out of position a little bit um, because they put him in the slot. For a little while in that yeah. game, so I think some of that is just um, when you it's know. not that starting three unit. At well, times, yeah. these guys, and it is one of those things, and it's part of the risk of this. When you play press man, it's like you cover him, you cover him, and you cover him, and that's yeah. it. And then you have to have safety help. And the safe. Um, sometimes when you're going back and forth between zone and man, play to play and whatever, mm-hmm. it can get a little more complicated. Now, it gets more complicated for the opposing quarterback, which is why they do it. And they were talking about, we simplify the defense. These guys understand all the principles. But sometimes, if there's a little bit of a miscommunication, mm-hmm. all it takes is one guy to be a little uncertain, and all of a sudden, a part of the, part of the field opens up. Um, from the 5-1-3, I think this is interesting. And again, we we'll, can look long-term on this. And I, I was going to say, I don't have the rule book in front of me. I, I, am, I don't know every single thing about the targeting rule and the way it exists. Do you feel, from the 5-1-3, do you feel the targeting rule needs to be revisited by the NCAA not mad at the team at all, but very mad at officiating in general. Targeting is like communism, good in concept. Who wants players to get head injuries? Nobody does, but terrible in reality. Sean Wade had no intent to injure Lawrence, and the helmet-to-helmet contact was caused by Lawrence dropping his head to defend himself from the sack. There needs to be something added to the rule about intent. Losing our third-best defensive player for more than half of the game for making a great play is just unfair, and it completely flipped the game. I think there is room for a 15-yard targeting penalty that's not an ejection. You're right. It, it gets, you it's really intent? tough to determine intent there because if you watch the play, he clearly does put his head down as he's going in to make the play. But I also do think, I mean, I think the ejection thing, I mean, ejection is such a harsh thing. We've seen what I think the intent of targeting is like a, a defenseless receiver is running across the middle of the field. Yeah. And so the there's where you back can judge decides, I'm going to yeah. light yes. him there's up. Where there, you can that's, ju- but that's we're, not what we're talking about. No, no, that's no but, there, but there's where you can, if you're going to judge intent, there's where you do it. The difference so is like, Trevor Lawrence wasn't defenseless. It was just his. He 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 went with the head. I the suppose crown of his I, I could I could I could understand an argument that says um, 
if it's not a defenseless receiver slash ball carrier, however you want to d- determine that, then it shouldn't be an ejection. Um, but yes, an ejection is harsh, but so is CTE. That's why we're at this stage. I mean, yeah, you're, no, you're I getting can... to a point where the sport was going to disintegrate if they didn't start addressing the head injury thing. And this is a very imperfect way that they came up to do it. And, and frankly, it, the, that that rule is as much to protect the defensive, defensive player, player who's exactly. lowering his crown. And it might like, be more to protect. So him. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's a hard situation because um, it is it both. That play is just two guys both bracing for impact. Right, but because the one guy's coming downhill to come in to initiate yeah. the the impact, it looks worse. Right. So a lot of this is just how it looks. It's not necessarily what it is. But I also don't know. I mean, I've been ch- ch- having these arguments on Twitter now for several years, covering football with people, and just being like, I don't know what to tell you. They can't let people keep smashing their brains together. They have to yeah, do something yeah, about it. They're gonna, you know, eventually. Be- you, I, I mean, you yeah, have to, the, the, the penalty has to be punitive enough to make people really try to avoid it. Yeah. If you charge, if you give people a $5 ticket for speeding, people aren't going to care. They'll speed all over the place. If you give them a $200 fine for speeding, people will stop speeding. So I get that. But I think intent is impossible to know because you can't look at unless someone's it's, heart. Unless it's blatant, then you can't. But you can kind of see, you know what I mean? Like it's, I, again, it's, I, it I has think, to be blatant for it to be like, oh, he clearly was trying to hurt the kid. Well, you don't even have to really worry about intent. You can make the line be whether it's a defenseless receiver, yeah. somebody who is completely unprotected, yeah. or if it's if it's a six-foot, six-inch quarterback who sees you coming and knows you're going to hit him, and then he gets down and and, right. and absorbs the yeah. impact better... That's not a defenseless receiver. You can make that be a play that, okay, 15 yards, which in this case wouldn't have changed the outcome of that. That drive still probably would have unfolded yeah. like that. Although maybe, well, although maybe Sean Wayne no, 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 no. doesn't get called for passing no, 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 interference. No, no, no. We don't yeah, know. That, that's the difference. They don't go pick on the, the new true. guy in the game. So it's maybe. still a big play, right? but yeah. it's not as big. Yeah. Right. Um, but So, yeah. I, I, I actually think that like this play might cause that change. I would not be at all surprised if this comes up at the next rules committee meeting and something is enacted or at least looked at. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's not in place by next year. It's, but, but, but no, rules you, change. It has to happen on stages like this where everybody's profile. watching, where it's like up where a championship is probably on Look the line. Like the yeah. Saints-Rams game. The NFL yeah. changed. Now, yeah. it didn't, wasn't a perfect change, no. but they but acted, if it would have happened against Miami of Ohio, but, then like nothing would have happened. But again, right. there you're talking about – I mean, what we're talking about here is brain injuries and the – Potential coming end of football. No, I agree. So I think that's they're. Gonna, I think they're going to be very, very, very reluctant to do anything that makes it look like they're. It's kind of like being a politician. You don't want to look soft on crime. They don't want to look soft on CD. I do think, but I also think it's possible that in the 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 correct pursuit of safety. Yes, I think it's possible that in trying to be vigilant and not cut corners and not give people outs. I think they may have gone twenty percent too far because I think if you asked anybody in college football, should that kid have been kicked out for that? Everybody's yeah. going to say no. Dabo Sweeney would say no. Ryan Day, Mark Emmert, every official, all the you, players. Yeah, you can't do that stuff. Should he be kicked out? Nah, he shouldn't be kicked out. Yeah, I mean it's almost like one of those. It's like almost like give him a two minute minor. Say you're kicked out for a series, or you know what I mean. Like I, I don't know why football or the, or the go to rest that. of the half, or yeah, or, or the rest of the quarter, or ten plays, or like I don't know why is it right. so, it's so punitive of like you either in or you're out. It, it, so basically, put a penalty box in football. I, I mean, like, yeah, why not? 
That sounds great. What's with I the, mean, can you the locker room? Like, essentially, is the you did a box. dangerous thing. You did a dangerous thing. Yeah. Go sit in this no. freaking box. No, no that's what they're already doing. You have the medical tent and you've got the penalty tent. Does the penalty tent can we just please, kind of uh, come out of nowhere? Right? Right? No, it's yeah, yeah it's, just for those five plays, it's and then it shrinks back into the ground like tonight. See-through tent. That's only the one medical tent. Oh, because because there needs to be some shame involved. Yeah, you have to watch. Like you gotta watch. Three three zero ten. If they play ten times, I feel pretty good that Ohio State wins more than they lose. I think a lot of people feel that doesn't change tonight, but they played really hard. The program is right there from the eight five zero. I'm about to wa- I'm about to stop watching college football um, from the three one two because of their disappointment or because of the I think just frustration with yeah the, with the disappointment of it, but also like the ref stuff. Three one two. I'm not mad at all. Just feel so bad for the kids. We could have had arguably the best team of all time, and the team deserved it. Question one: How much do you think the refs affected the game a lot? Question two: Is this the best game ever? It's a good game. It's a weird game. It was strange. It's a like I, I didn't find it like super constantly entertaining because there was so much you were trying to figure out like what the heck is going on? Why it's is like, he T. Going? Higgins yeah. is out? Now he's back. Yeah. Wait, oh, by the way, he's going to the locker room. So, Wait, he's back in the game. So that that situation, I want to talk about this because it's. Yeah. I talked to T. Higgins after the game. I think we were the only Ohio State reporters who I'm were in the sure terms we of the only locker Ohio State room, uh, which is there. why it's like noon on Sunday. <laughs> we're still recording yeah. this podcast. Yeah. But I talked to T. Higgins, and I he was at some. He was asked like, you know, why did you come out of the game? Like, what was going on? He's like, well, it was just like I just had like some general pain in my body. And so I was like, "What? So you, you weren't in the concussion protocol?" He's like, "No, it had nothing to do with my head. I had just like the way I landed. I just felt it didn't feel right. I felt strange. So they came in and examined me." What? I mean, I don't want to question the man who says he's in pain because, like, you might be, but like, what? I mean, that could be like neck and back stuff. I suppose. Fell yeah. Or whatever, I get. I mean, it, it. And that's what we thought when it happened. It looked more because I don't think Okuda his helmet came off on the play, but I don't think. Jeff Okuda hit him. I think it was the way in the his, head. His head. It his looked more like, like a whiplash landed, kind yeah. of thing. Okay. Um, but I, because we, the whole time we're sitting there thinking it's the same thing that Jeff Okuda had happened in the Big Ten Championship yeah, game, where he, he has he does there. have a head. It, like, uh, he wasn't impact, he was just, and he was just sitting on the bench. Like he didn't go to the locker room, but he was just sitting there. And he had to, that's so that, and he did have to go to the concussion protocol and then came. This back. was not a great game. It was it was weird. It was thought, weird, but. I can't tell. It makes it makes me want to watch it like just through again, like at home when we get home. Yeah. Um, because like if it when a game is like great play after great play, it's like oh, I just feel like if you were watching this game, you might have been constantly like what? Because every great moment got like sidetracked by whether it was a ref thing or like J.K. like playing and then like limping off and, and like not even going to the sideline, going straight to the locker room. T. Higgins situation like. Every time something like amazing that was like was probably a great thing would happen, something weird. So it was, it was yeah. like interesting, but I'm not sure if it was entertaining. I don't know if it was, this was not an easy game to follow. I'm it gonna was be definitely honest. not an easy game to cover. And I did think, no. I thought the last 12 minutes were good. Yeah, they were. Like all this crazy stuff happened, and then they got to the fourth quarter, and it was like it's basically even. Let's see what's up. It's like in Trevor Lawrence turned into Tom Brady. And, and Justin Fields answered. Yeah, he did. I mean, actually, that's the thing. It's like it's it's it. And again, it, it just it really was. I thought about the Browns multiple times tonight because it's like red zone failures, penalties, some coaching decisions you're not a hundred percent sure about. But the like, but the final well, the, one, the, the one, final twelve were like what I think we were all expecting. But the thing that happens with the Browns a lot is is right at the point where the defense need to stop, they don't get a stop, and so like. That was they punted them to the four yard line. Yeah, 
And Clemson scored in four plays against the best defense in the and country. And getting the chunk plays that this defense has been designed to stop all year. They went 90-plus yards in four plays against the best defense in the country with a spot in the national championship game on the line. Now, Ohio State answered, but like, there's a world where it's I mean, like, first down, you get pressure and force and incompletion. What? Second down, they throw a short pass and you pop the guy right away. And on third down, Chase Young gets a sack and like, it's over. That's absolutely on the table there. And that didn't come close we to ran- We ranked, when we ranked the sides and we said it was Clemson's <coughs> offense, Ohio State's defense, Ohio State's offense and Clemson's defense. Down the stretch, Clemson's defense didn't play like it was the fourth best unit. They made some good adjustments. Venables is really good. Yeah. I didn't I did not feel Clemson's defense didn't scare me though. No, well, I, no I, I, I thought scared. they weren't getting but pressure. It, it all night. I felt like it was just an example of a, a. This is just what sometimes a championship team does. It's not necessarily like this overt thing. They're just making plays in the moment when they have to. When this game was ten to nothing, I thought Ohio State was running away with this. I thought this thing might be almost a laugher. Like they could really get something going, and then it just kind of started. That's early on. There is when it kind of started to turn for me. Like that's when it kind of started to get weird. Um, comment, not a question. Not mad. Proud to be a Buckeye. I think we should have gone for two to try to go up 24-21. I agree. Now, the thing is, the, the reason know. he didn't go for two is because he thought it might play out exactly the way it played out. Right. Because if you go for two there and don't get it, and then they score and do something, now you're chasing in a way that you really might. Right. If you, yeah. if you are convinced that more scores are coming, I don't think you chase the points there. Like right. obviously, if you think, well, we have to get up three because this might be it, that's a different deal. But so it ended up it was when they scored, it made it 27-23, and then they went for two to make yeah. it twenty nine twenty three. Right. If they had scored and it was twenty seven twenty two, then they could have gone for two and made it twenty nine twenty two. Now a touchdown only ties. Right. You yeah. have so to it's like, and now you have to decide whether you're trying to go for two to win the game right. yeah. after just. So like that's why he didn't. So it's like I got a, people immediately were like, "What are they doing? What are they doing?" And I know whatever the sheet says, and I don't. I mean, I don't know what the because sheet in says. the morning, in, in the moment, you're thinking like this game is going to come down to a field goal. But like, yeah. But 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 time has to be involved in the sheet too. It's not True. just score. It and time has to because by the, the way, of the game. Yeah, it's sixteen to nothing when Clemson scores and they just go for one. I mean, it, it's a, that's a, it, you could plausibly understand why they would go for two there, but they didn't. They weren't chasing points early in the game. So, um, I, I, I first my first instinct was to agree with that and say they should have gone for two there. And then when I thought about it for about. 12 seconds, I was like, no, it makes sense. Like, I think they think there's going to be more points here. Uh, is Field suffering from the JT situation where he holds the ball in double clutches and is too afraid to give his receivers a chance? You look at half of Burroughs' completions today and those are 50-50 balls, or is it our receivers? That's from the 4-1-5. I think that's Justin Fields being uncomfortable with the knee brace. Yep. I think Forcing a fully, some things. A fully healthy Justin Fields wasn't doing that. Yeah, I, I really think he wasn't, and and actually he put up some he put up like a few, few too many fifty fifty balls. He put up some seventy thirty balls that were seventy percent for Clemson. He um, put up a hundred percent ball that should have just gotten picked, and he dropped it. And he, I mean, he put up a ball. He let Garrett Wilson go up and make a play, and Garrett Wilson made a play. It's like it's not a criticism of Justin Fields. 
Because he was doing what he felt he had to do when he wasn't quite himself. But having watched the JT Barrett issues for four seasons, I have 0% of that of like the, I'm so afraid to throw a pick, I'm not going to let it go. That is not the case. I don't and, think. and I would also remind people that the reason it didn't seem like he was throwing as many 50-50 balls against Michigan State or Nebraska or even Wisconsin or even Penn State was because Clemson is better than all those teams. And you're going to be challenged in a different way by this defense. The nine three seven, I'm definitely mad they seem to have it in the bag. Wacky calls and poor discipline quickly change that. It's one of those games that you're left with a lot of different alternate universe, universe outcomes. If we don't try the punt block, if the fumble stands, it's a very different game. We beat ourselves. Also, this is the interesting part. Why did we go for the game winner with 45 seconds left? Keep the tempo going and punch it in with 15 on the clock. Because they were struggling in the red zone. And I think Ryan Day knew that. That is, it's like one of those things sometimes it's like, yeah, well, we, not we don't want to get inside yeah, the 20. I'm not putting myself in a situation we have clearly shown that we can't have success with tonight. Also, the touchdown that they scored to go ahead in the fourth quarter was on a Chris Olave post route. Yeah. Where he got singled up on a safety. Now, I don't think it was the exact same formation. I don't know that it was the exact same coverage. How many times have they gone to that route where you get Chris Olave, he gets inside leverage on the defender in yep. the middle of the field where there's not help, and all Justin Fields yeah. has to do is lead him a little bit, and it's over. That's what they wanted, and they had it. And I, I mean, think they had The it. thing that Chris Olave has like mastered in his time here is like the thing that like cost him the game because he just, for some reason, just went blank, mind blank. Well, I also think, though, that the, the, the earlier play you're talking about was a fourth and one play. And I, That's a, a bold call. so much of the success that they've had this year with Chris Olave has come playing off of the run game. So as, as all, that's, some, that's probably a topic for a later podcast is like all of these, this next jump that we think Chris Olave might take, can he take it with no running or a compromised running game? Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I mean, again, we, I, you know, I was waiting for the under center play action. Yeah, that, that, that's a, a lot of what you're talking about. Where plays yeah. like that, um, but even that play, I thought, like plausibly, if you're defense, you have to factor in so much that they may just be running the ball there on fourth and one in some way, and then to, to gun it over the top like that. But on the final pick, the guy who picked it was the guy who was covering Olave, who went, who finished the route. Yeah, it wasn't like a second defender was no. there. So I mean, it's not. My gosh, Chris Olave could not have stood up and taken it more than he did. He could not have been more heartbroken yeah. than he was. This is a quiet, hardworking, really talented guy. And you just feel terrible for him. And, like, stuff happens. He didn't mean it. He didn't forget the route. He didn't run the wrong route because he lost focus. He didn't he try to be a wrong. hero. He just, in the moment, just read it a, a little bit wrong. And he's going to feel it forever. So yeah, when you're the team that's behind there, every mistake is magnified a thousand times. And it's just one of. The, and Justin like threw a very catchable ball yeah. at the Clemson guy was there by himself. You know, it's one of those things. If you know Justin's releasing it as Chris is turning, and it's like you can't. If he could have grabbed it and brought it back, but if if that Clemson guy guys drop balls like that sometimes, if he drops that, they have like three more shots at the end zone. How about if he, he falls down? Happens. Guys are falling down left and right. So I mean, I, it's like I don't know what you can I don't know what you can do with that other than chalk it up to like sports. No, I mean, just your your margin for error is microscopic in that situation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last couple. I'm not mad, but I'm I'm not mad. I'm proud, but I'm hurt. 
Been an Ohio State fan for my entire life. I'm hurt because deep down I know the odds of us ever having a defense that is so perfectly built to stop a high-powered spread offense like this is slim. This was almost the perfect college football playoff team, and we fell just short. Proud of the team and the effort, but that one hurt. We were the better team from the 405. Um, someone, oh, someone. The third thing when someone said three questions, the last question was: With the season over, should I unsubscribe to the texts? You should not. You should continue so, to subscribe to the text. The the we started the text like in, in the spring football. So like we went along, we were texting in June and July, and there weren't as many of you guys along for the ride. But we were providing content, and I was getting good feedback from people in June about what. And so the thing is, here's the thing. In season, there's more happening, so there's more direct things to text about. But there's also a ton happening. In the off season, you got to look for some more stuff to text about, but also you're not being deluged with Ohio State info all the time. So you might like a little Ohio State nugget once a day. Even if it's not like directly newsy about the team, it's like, this is the team that you like. It's four bucks a month. And when you can't find it a million other places... You know, you get a little buzz in March and it says, hey, something something about Ohio State football. I don't know. Is that worth like 20 cents a day or 15 cents a day? One coffee a month. Like to to have like a – it's going to give you like a constant connection to your team when there's not a million other ways necessarily to have the constant connection. So it is different. I'm not going to pretend that like it says – as it is during the season, but I think there is a different kind of value in it. So that's what I'm going to tell you. The other appeal I would make to people is, at least at this stage of our business model, it's the only thing we're asking you to pay for. Right. If you're not, a, I guess, there, I hope, hope some of you are Plain Dealer um, print subscribers, but we don't really work for the Plain Dealer. We work for Cleveland.com. And Cleveland.com doesn't ask you for a monetary contribution outside of this. So you're when you do this, you when you, when you subscribe to the texts, you are... Helping pay for the three of us to be in this hotel room doing this podcast at 4 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, last couple. I have a great ending one here. Makes me uh, makes me cry a little bit. All right. Uh, these are some long-term ones, and we can get into them a little bit later. Maybe we could save them, but I want to hit them quick. What does Ryan Day need to do to ensure he does not end up being viewed as another Mark Helfrich? Uh, who took over for Chip Kelly, got Oregon to the national title game against Auburn, and then, like, it fell apart. And, of course, the answer is recruit. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's easy. So um, that's obvious. Um, we got to see what's coming up in the days ahead. Um, Jeff Halfley is leaving. It certainly seems like Mike Yersich is leaving. And we've talked talk about tonight, yeah. how important uh, assistant coaches are. Like, they're important, but they're not important. You guys know what I feel about that. Um, I, I don't... Odd is not the right word, but to hire like two kind of up-and-coming dudes for your first year on a staff and have both of them leave. And they both I deal mean, with like, like one dealt with like the your secondary, which was like amazing this year. And the other one's dealing with your quarterback who's coming into his second year. It's probably a Heisman favorite. I mean, like, okay, he, but he only hired five guys because he kept yeah, five. Right. And of the five he hired, two of the five are leaving. So like... I don't. I don't think that means anything. But also, it's like, all right. Well, now you got to do, do it, it again. again. But yeah, I mean, the other thing. I yes, he helped the secondary, I, and I think all those guys have talked about him being someone who helped them be better this year. But Jeff Okuda was already pretty damn good before he ever heard who Jeff Halfley no, was. Um, yeah. And Justin Fields was pretty good before he was ever introduced to Mike Yurcich. And I, I don't want to. Dis- 
I'm, I'm trying to disparage my no, kids. I agree. No, I'm not. But Ryan Day is a pretty good quarterback coach too. So yeah. I, I don't know. I I I'm I, I would kind of pump the brakes until you see who they hire. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I, I would bet that Ryan Day like did not expect that he would have to be making two hires like this at the no. after year one. So right. it's just it's it's fine. It's just a little not what you expected. Uh, two more. When will Ryan Day have his next best shot at a national championship from the six five zero? Feels like next year is a defense rebuild. Will year three provide a better chance? Um, do love the gutsy calls that Day makes. Um, again, we, we, I don't know. Year three, barring a transfer, you're going to be dealing with a redshirt freshman, first time starting quarterback. And so, I mean, it's just one of those things like, like CJ Stroud or Jack Miller needs to be great. So, yeah. like, or and this is the thing that is really going to change. There's no thing. There's nothing more fun than sitting down and trying to project the 2022 starting lineup. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. But transfers really are changing the yeah, game on that because yeah. I know Bill and Ari and I a couple of years ago sat down and tried to figure out who the starting quarterback was going to be like for the next four years. And guess who we never said? Too. Justin Fields. So it's like, and you know, to play the game of like, well, who? I think it's going to be you know, like we said, USC's backup quarterback will be Ohio State's starting quarterback in three years. You don't know, but that is going to become an avenue for all these top teams. That it's, I think it's going to, at some positions for some teams, it's going to morph from something that is a wonderful bonus to like a plan that you can plan on the action. You don't know the person, but you know that this year you're going to have to do that, that portal. And that, like, I mean, honestly, even like next year for running back, and again, you know, you found the best answer right now. We don't know. It doesn't seem like running back is quite like quarterback yet. But there might be a point where it's like, okay, well, we recruit this guy, we recruit this guy, oh, portal year, this guy, mm-hmm. this. That is going to be something, and it's going to be something all of us as reporters and fans and coaches and players have to adjust to. I think it's more fun to build from within. It's great to say, this guy was a red shirt, then he was a freshman, then he was a backup, and finally he got to start. There's going to be a little bit less of that. So, um, But I but, think for that year three situation, though, it would have to be someone like a Fields, a Russell Wilson, I guess you would say Joe Burrow, like almost like a home run shot. I don't know if you're taking someone else just to bring them in and compete for that well, spot. Well, but I mean, you don't know. I mean, like... They didn't know Joe Burrow was going to be that. Yeah, that's, that's actually probably they, not even a good I example. I mean, like, and even like, I mean, Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley is just like, I think would take the next guy, the next guy. I think right, Lincoln Riley might all already be in like portal quarterback mode. I know they also recruit high school guys, but I mean, like, he might just do that now. So, um, but, and the other thing is, is like, you know what? JT Barrett took him to the national title game, the edge of it, as a redshirt freshman when they didn't expect him to play. The thing about Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud, the way this is going to work out, is they are absolutely expecting and planning one of them to be the starting quarterback in yeah. 2021. It's not going to be like, well, we hope this guy. It's like, we have to get these guys ready. Yeah. So it's going to be a competition, but it's also going to be a preparation. And young quarterbacks do win. We see this all the time now. So, like, if you want to tell me that, like, the, the idea of, like, well, they can't win in 2021 because they're going to have a redshirt freshman at quarterback. It's like, or what do you mean they can't win in 2021? Yeah. That doesn't mean they can't win if they have some other things in place to help support that guy while he grows. I'm not saying C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller is Trevor Lawrence, but, man, there's enough examples now. You just don't I mean, know. Jake Fromm went to the national championship game as a true freshman. Hundred percent, and that's this the is thing. not crazy anymore. So, like the next best shot, every year is your best shot. Your best shot is right in front. It's like a coaching cliche. You take it day to day. I mean, at Ohio State, LSU is different. That's the one thing. It's like you were saying, like, well, now you have to account. I think 
when you think about Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, the teams at the top, you also have to account for like Team X. That That's what, that is what yeah. I said. Yeah, yeah. But team, Auburn, it's hard Georgia, to stay LSU. There. Yeah. The thing that all Ohio State fans, I think they do know and they do appreciate, but you have to understand is Ohio State is one of the even after we had the debate of where are they? Are they in this tier or that tier, or whatever? I mean, really, there's only probably five teams that every year can say, yes, they have a shot. I don't even care who's a sophomore, who's a junior. Mm-hmm. They have a shot. Not a guarantee, but they have a shot every year. And the shot they took this year was the best shot they've taken since 2014. And the shot they took would have worked a lot of nights. And they had a lot of things go against them, and they still almost made it. All right, let's end with this. Um, From the 602. Well, the bright side, my 11-year-old daughter is a rabid fan and was utterly (laughs) devastated after the game. What was perhaps one of the most tender moments I've ever had with her. As I told her, it's okay for her to cry and be really upset. It's okay to love something so much that it can hurt when it doesn't go your way. And after 30 minutes, she went to bed. Not happy, but not as sad either. Great to be a Buckeye. That's sports. That's life. That's Buckeye Talk. We appreciate you guys hanging with us. Um, It's been interesting. 15 years of this, they have never not been interesting. So I think people in the end, um, I think you, you will be able to reflect on this and like and realize how much you enjoyed this season. I think you're always going to be angry about it. Like what is your, let's give a final takeaway. We can wrap up the season and all that stuff later. We have plenty. Of, we got to figure out how to do a podcast for the next nine months before they play another game. <laughs> As you think, what is your like last thing from this game? As you think about what this game maybe made you think about this team or this game made you think about Justin Fields or Ryan Day or the future or the past or anything else. Did anything about this change, about this game, confirm something you felt, change something you felt? What's your final view on 29-23 in the Fiesta Bowl? Um, You know, I, I guess, I don't know, I mean... This is what it's. This is kind of what we ask for college football to be to some extent right now, where there's supposed to be a four-team playoff and the semifinals are supposed to be great games. And again, as we said, it's kind of a weird game. It's kind of a disjointed game, but it's it's a one-possession game with a team driving down to get potentially the go-ahead touchdown with under a minute to go. That's kind of what we ask for college football to be. And again, not being not having the fans' emotion, but respecting the fans' emotion. I understand the disappointment out there, but if you're just watching as a casual fan, which I bet a lot of people did, and were probably riveted by that game tonight, um, all the ups and downs and weird stuff that was happening, um, that's, you know, I know... It's this is what college football is supposed to be right now, and if Ohio State's just got to find a way to keep getting not getting on the wrong end of that bubble like they were the last two years, finding a way to stay on the right side of the bubble, even if they can't have great seasons, just stay on the right side of that bubble and keep getting back in this position and giving themselves a chance. In a world where like your quarterback better be one of the six best quarterbacks in the country, <clears throat> if you want to at least be in the conversation to win a national championship. I'm really interested in like what type of development is going to go on with Justin Fields, and like obviously, like I, I, we watched him all year, but when we got here and you heard co- different coaches and different people talk about him and Trevor Lawrence and like a lot of different things, I like it's one to watch him all year and not necessarily have a certain view of him. 
until literally the last game of the season is like a wild thing to think about. And you cuz you don't realize it until it's put in your face. So I'm really interested to see like how this kid develops over the next 9 months until next August when he's back on the field and what he looks like after like what Halfley said. He's in the year for a second. He's after Ryan Day's had him for another year. Cuz even with Dwayne Haskins, that was a short period of time that like he got to be with a real quarterback developer at the college level. And I know, like, C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller or Kyle McCord, that's going to be his first, like, from the ground up. But, like, we're going to really get a chance to see what, like, what type of quarterback developer Ryan Day is with with this next nine months with Justin Fields. That's, like, more than anything after this season, I'm really interested to see what year two of Justin Fields looks like. I'm going to bring it back to, to where uh... – it all started this season, and that would be with nine and three. Um, when I said Ohio State would go nine and three, I wrote a thing that said you're going to have to get used to like a good loss, and that you're going to have to realize that your team can play well and lose, and that has, or, or play good enough to win. Yeah, that 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 it's not like oh we bl-, you know like not the Iowa game, not the Purdue game, not the like. And even, I would say, and I'm trying to think, is this the first time on a national scene that really mattered that Ohio State, like, played well enough to win and didn't win? And because the only examples, right, in this modern era where you have a game like this, in 2002, they were the underdog, and they won. In 2006 and 2007, they got there, and, like, they were outclassed by the SEC, and it kind of made everybody realize, man, this isn't quite good enough. And they changed. Then the Terrell Pryor class came in, and they realized in defeat, and they were closer to LSU than they were to Florida, they realized in defeat it's not good enough. 2014, they win it. 2016, they get out here, they get their doors blown off by Clemson, and they realize it's not good enough. Now, all these other bowl games, right? You play good games, you play bad games. But you're not playing with a title on the line. Tonight, on a national stage, they played with a title on the line, and they played well enough to win. They made mistakes. But the talent was there. You don't walk away from this game and say, oh, they didn't have the talent to win that. That is a new feeling. I, can't, I don't know. This may be unlike a game in Ohio State history. Yeah. Because everything else, you know, if you don't have the talent to beat Michigan or whatever, that's a local thing. This is national scale. You are the kings of the north. Nobody in your region or your conference can compete with you. And now you took it out into the world, and you were good enough, but you didn't win. And that is a rare experience for Ohio State fans. Yeah, depending on one's perspective, they either didn't get the breaks to win the night or they didn't make the breaks to win the night. But that's what it came down to. And I mean, they might have blown it. They might have choked. They might have done things wrong once they got a lead. They were not out-talented. They were not outclassed. Right. And typically, on the national stage, Ohio State has either won or been outclassed. And those were the only two things that ever happened. So it took to Clemson. I thought this would happen against Penn State. That, hey, this is good. Ohio State played well. But they weren't quite good enough to beat Penn State. That wasn't at all what this team was. It took... A defending national champion on a 28-game winning streak for Ohio State to play well enough to win and not win. And it also took like 
six different things going against them. Calls, injuries to key, to key guys, you know, a bad risk on a punt block that didn't work. It took all that going against them. When if you take those six things that went against them, if one of them goes for them, they might win. So I, I think this is a different experience for Ohio State fans. But I would walk away saying, and we talked about it so much going in, you're not Alabama and Clemson because you got to beat them. You got to beat them. You got to beat them. But I don't think you have any doubt that you're close. You're pretty stinking close. And three years ago, you knew you weren't close. And I think tonight, you know you are. Yeah, I mean, if there's if there's if the tier was a literal platform, I feel like Ohio State is just like clinging to that platform with like the fingertips are like white, like gleaming, like they're right there. Maybe can't quite pull themselves up, but I don't. They didn't fall off. No, they didn't fall off. They didn't make the final step, but they didn't plunge to their death. They didn't do that. No. All right. We're done. We'll see you in September. <laughs> Is that how this works? I can't remember how it works. I mean, that would be amazing if it was. Right after telling everybody to keep... T- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just keep sending the money. We the just September get, text will be really good. We'll go to Turks and Caicos for the next nine months. All right. So we'll keep doing stuff. We'll keep podcasting. We'll keep writing stories at cleveland.com. We'll keep sending texts to all of those of you who subscribe. It's been an interesting season for us. First season for Nathan, first full season for Steven. Both these Yahoos saw Ohio State lose for the first time tonight. I did. That's true. I was No, I've seen oh. Ohio State lose. <laughs> That's true. And people I was seven, I people back like to remind to me. Purdue football. I was seventeen and oh. Yeah, forget about forget about stinking uh, Clemson's winning streak. What about Stephen Means' yeah, winning streak? Come on, Ryan, me and you were in this together. I've seen Ohio State lose, he says. Um so listen, so so we appreciate you guys uh, being part of our coverage. Um, you make it happen for us. Um, I'm trying to think like if we maybe would like give ourselves off on Wednesday and like come back with like the next podcast like in ten days. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they'll let us do that. I mean, I don't. Know. It depends what we have to talk about. We could do I mean, a short one. I don't know what happens in the next. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, I could be, be curious to know what people are texting Wednesday relative to what they were texting tonight. It's That's fine. true. That could be an interesting podcast. It's also 5.30 Eastern time, which means like in seven hours, Ohio State's basketball team might play well enough to be the number one team in the country. That's true. We are going to do more um, more on the podcast with basketball. We may start doing some basketball texts, too. I think it originally was Ohio State football. We don't know with that. We'll keep If you're a tech subscriber, we'll keep you posted. Definitely do some more basketball on the pod, for sure, for sure, for sure, while, can, while we continue to do football. Uh, but for now, that is it. Ohio State loses the Fiesta Bowl to Clemson, 29-23. to Clemson LSU in the national championship game. Ohio State season is over. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk.